there's nothing that I would love more than to pick up this analysis on Winston Churchill and the Boer War that's sitting right next to me taunting me. <laughs> Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're focusing on the learning aspect of the show and talking about how going back to school has affected our reading lives. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. We are continuing our new segment in place of listener questions at the top of the show, What Have You Been Learning Lately? This is our typical conversation starter for when we would like to talk about something other than work or day-to-day stuff, and it ranges from the serious things that we're learning in grad school to the silly things that we learned on the internet. So, Curtis, what have you been learning about lately? So in our live session this week, um, our professor discussed conflict management, and we first talked about how there's different types of conflict, either with tasks or processes, like how the organization functions, but then also within relationships. And the relationship aspect was where things could get really hairy and dysfunctional if it's not managed properly. And then we talked about how leaders use conflict management styles and tools in order to better lead their organizations. So we talked about how you can either have sides compete against one another, try to avoid the fact that there's any conflict at all, or on the better side of the spectrum, having opposite sides collaborate to make the whole organization better. So the same way we talked about power last week, not all conflict is the same, or not all power is bad. There's some good types of conflict as well as good types of power. The book I've been reading has been teaching me a lot about ancient Scottish history, basically. Okay. So it's about Langareth, a real medieval queen who was the twin sister of the man who inspired the legend of Merlin. So it's based on a true story, but the book itself is just historical fiction. There's kind of a mix of magic and interesting religious stuff because it's like talking about how her ancient religion sort of clashes with the movement of Christianity into the land. And... It's been fun. I have studied ancient British literature before, so some of this echoes and sounds familiar to me after reading the tales of King Arthur and things even before that. But Beowulf and all those. Yeah, um, but it's really interesting, especially to read about a queen of the time. Incidentally, this week in class, I was talking to one of my buddies and his daughter had come up to him and was like, Dad, I don't like any of these books. I want to read something that's got monsters in it. And he, the look in his eye was just like, I had an opportunity. And I gave her Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> like, God, that's, not that's not really book to for hand like an eight, nine-year-old. No. That's not, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing on that one. okay okay so maybe we need to just record an episode for him (laughs) about what to have for his eight and nine year old Uh, yeah because boy do i have some recommendations i don't think i mentioned that that book is the lost queen by signey pike that's what i'm reading now it's out there okay so this episode we're talking about how since both of us are back in school about how that's affecting our reading lives now you've been in your graduate program a lot longer than I have. So I think we'll just start with you because you blazed the trail for both of us. So why don't you kick off? (laughs) Yeah. So this episode isn't to convince anyone to go back to school or anything like that. Everyone has different circumstances and school is not the route for everybody. But I think that we can agree that we really love a school environment 
whether that was us in elementary school doing Battle of the Books or fast forward to now online learning as a structured way for us to excel in our fields. So we're just hoping that maybe this will give people a general idea of what it's like to go back to school as out of the undergraduate college life and how that might correspond with reading if that's what you're passionate about right because it takes a lot of time away from when you would normally just be reading for fun or for even development stuff and you just have to figure out how to manage that so we kind of talked about some tricks and how we've done it over the past couple of years all right so just because i think we'll get some questions about what programs exactly we're in i'm in the valdosta state university masters in english for english teachers program And this is my third year because I started it while I was teaching full-time, so I didn't do a full class load. Um, That was just better for my mental health. But I'm actually almost finished, and I'm currently studying for my cumulative exam that I'll take in a couple of weeks. So the focus of that program was deepening my content knowledge as an ELA teacher and then also preparing me to teach at the college level. So coursework was like a lot of classroom application, like lesson plans and reflections on pedagogy, which is the philosophy of teaching. But it was also just reading a ton of literature and analyzing it. So I started the program partly because I just love learning and that's something that really drives me, but also because getting your master's is one of the very few ways that teachers can make more money. Right. You have to continue your education if you would like a pay raise. Is it an MA? Yeah. Um, And is there a difference between like getting this versus like a master's in literature? Like why was this the preferred route that you wanted to do? Well, I liked the focus on English teachers. So this program was full of people who were already teaching English, usually at the high school or middle school level. And so the professors, first of all, understood that. And I feel like although it still was a significant course load, a lot of the program revolved around teachers schedules so there were a lot of summer classes offered so we were able to take more coursework over the summer and a lot of the coursework then applied back to what we were doing in the classroom the teachers would let us use examples from what we were doing in class to support the coursework so that was really a big draw for me and it's all online which as a military family that was really necessary mm-hmm. So that's pretty much why. Seems like the perfect program for you, especially because it was full of other high school and middle school English teachers and like curriculum and literature based in there too. Yeah, definitely. It's been great and I would recommend it to people, but um, I'm really glad to be almost done. Yeah, you're on your last (laughs) class and you're so happy. But then again, you did text me one night a couple weeks ago and you're like, I could start this doctoral program (laughs) and don't do that to yourself. (laughs) Take some time and enjoy the fact that you've got a master's done. Yeah, I think I'll give myself at least one or two years. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of the reading that I did for class just varied. So it's definitely changed my reading life. A lot of the reading that we did for class was literature, a lot of scholarly articles that supported the literature, and then textbooks as well, because... Some of our classes were focused more on the teaching of writing, for example. So um, some of my favorite things that I read were Jane Eyre, The Reluctant Fundamentalist, all of Langston Hughes' poetry, and the autobiography of Malcolm X. 
teaching while being a student was incredibly valuable to me. So my students were probably happy because they rarely got homework. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really it influenced my teaching every day. So I was using the content from my program in the classroom and I was really open with students about my workload. So they would maybe be complaining about what they had to do over the weekend. I was like, oh yeah, I have to write an essay too. And it just allowed for that sort of camaraderie for us. And I even wrote some of my outlines and essays in front of them, like in class to model the writing process for them. And so that they could see that it wasn't just a, I don't know, so that they could see someone other than their peers using the skills that they're being taught. Right. You're providing a real-time example to them about how they can apply those things, even from an adult perspective. And then you're also in real time using the lessons that you're learning in your classroom. Yeah, which was great. That really has made the program worthwhile to me. The main way that it affected my reading life was, first of all, that's when I started my master's program, that's when I started to listen to audiobooks way more. I listened to audiobooks here and there prior to that, but once I started my program, audiobooks actually became maybe the main way that I did any fun reading outside of my program. Because you had to use the time available when you're doing like other stuff. Exactly. To read. So even the 15 minute drive to work and then home, I could listen to an audiobook or doing laundry or cooking dinner. Yeah, it was all about using just those spare moments in between when I wasn't at work full time or wasn't home doing homework. That really, really helped me a lot. And I also think that I started reading way more romance. <laughs> just, you, you think that's just for the lighter side of yeah, the genre? I think when you are reading to study, it's not that I didn't enjoy what I was reading for class, but you read in a different way. Hmm. My brain just needed a break. So even though I still wanted to read, I needed something lighter and something that would sort of boost my mood and just let me check out for a while. So romance became... A big part of my reading life. I mostly got my audiobooks from the library or Audible when I was doing my program, but now... Well, these days we're partnering with Libro FM for a audiobook subscription service that lets you purchase your audiobooks directly from indie booksellers. So that's an option you didn't have before, but now you do. Uh, you can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country, and you can select which independent bookstores you want to support. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the larger audiobook companies, you know, ones that we canceled, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks like Chelsea and don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, your local booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And get this, it's the same price as the other company, the one that we canceled. We've made the switch to Libro.fm, and we hope that you do too. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Are there, are there any other genres that you've kind of opened doors to now that you're listening to more audiobooks? Or... Well, one of the weird things is that I also started reading way more nonfiction. So it's like... On the one hand, there were some weeks where my course load was heavier and I just needed to check out and 
read something light and fluffy. And then on the other hand, it's almost like, you know, when you're used to something, so you want more of it. Like they say, you know, you're eating sugar, so then you crave more sugar. Well, it's almost like I was getting this information I was learning all the time. So it's like my brain was hungry for more information and learning. There hasn't really been much in between for me over the last three years. It's been a lot of like nonfiction and heavier reads and then way on the other side with light romance. Mm -hmm. I will say one big, huge thing that changed, not genre wise, but like reading routine wise, was that summer actually became the season where I read the least. So I would take three courses over summers for this program. And maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but they were condensed. And there was just a lot every day. By the time I was finished with my homework and reading for school, I just really didn't feel like reading anymore. And that really slowed down. So I'm really looking forward to this summer when I do not have master's coursework to do and I can actually read at my usual summer pace, which there was one year when I think I read a book every day or every other day over summer. And I wasn't tracking my reading at that point, And I really wish that I did. Because <laughs> the pages would have been out of control. Oh, absolutely. Um, what about your program? So I just started in January 2019, just timing wise. I had wanted to start my graduate school and it worked out because we were here and I had the time. So I applied to go to Michigan State University's Broad College of Business. And my program is a Master of Science in Management, Strategy, and Leadership. All online. Completely 100%. So the program attracted me because it's on a lot of top 25 lists from U.S. News and all these other places that rank business programs for being really in-depth course material um, while being 100% online. And some of the other schools that I was looking at would do like a week-long residency that I didn't really want to do. And they were also going to make me take a GRE or a GMAT, and Michigan State didn't. So their program is really geared towards working professionals, military people. And if you have management experience, like I did as a platoon leader and other organizations, you can write a little essay that explains your experience in in leadership, and then they can admit you without a GMAT or a GRE. So that was a big selling point for me to go to that school. Um, I started the program because a master's is required for future army positions um, at my next rank. And this program can be completed in two years or in as quick as 20 months if you're able to do it consecutively. And the structure is really interesting because I take five-week classes one at a time and I take three a semester. So I know you take multiple classes at once and we're kind of shocked that mine was just one at a time. I wasn't shocked. I was just jealous because my classes are semester long. Yeah. And I feel like with master's programs, especially for adult professionals who are working full-time, I actually think the way that you're doing it is easier and faster. Oh, 100%. I would be done with mine by now if it had just gone one class at a time every five weeks. Yeah. It's a perfect structure for me, Mm -hmm. especially like being so far removed from undergrad and getting back into the system and also being in a field that I'm not 100% familiar with. Like my undergrad was in history and I don't know a lot about business or the financial market, so I didn't want to go do an MBA. So this is the perfect balance of, you know, concepts like how to manage people, manage teams, build organizations, and then that content feeds into my work life as an army officer. So the fun part is that I'm, as I'm taking these classes, I'm building my philosophy for when I'm going to be a 
company level battery commander in a couple of years. So I've showed it to you like in my notebook, I have this little piece of paper that either from a lecture or a reading, I'll write terms or concepts that I really like. And then I'm developing myself as a leader for when I'm leading a hundred percent organization in a couple of years. So that's the whole reason I started the program is I wanted to get more knowledge on how to manage people effectively, how to build teams and get the most out of them. And this seemed like the perfect way to do it. It also has business applications in the future because we don't know how long you'll be in the army. Even if you stayed in for 20 years, by the time you get out, you're still going to be a young man and you need some, you need a plan for after that. So either way, it's wise to have that master's under your belt. Yep. Uh, I'd say the most valuable lesson that and I've gained so far is that I still hate doing work in groups. Um, <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Like I tell people in my class for, um, for the army school I'm in right now that I have group work for uh, my master's program. They're like, it's an online. You shouldn't have to work with people. And it's all over email. But it's the case in point is for this last class that I had, there's we're supposed to be groups of three to do these case studies. And one guy has fallen off the face of the earth and does not respond to any emails or anything whatsoever. So I'm pretty sure he dropped, but it's just that headache of having to email the professor and being like, hey, he's not even part of yeah. this program. And then we have to split all the work two ways. Um, also, I need individual recognition because I'm an Enneagram 3. Um, <laughs> and I'm just realizing that more and more as I'm going through this program. Like I'll take a quiz and get 100% and I'll th- like show it to you as we're both doing homework together mm-hmm. just because I need that high five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but as far as the reading goes, it's a lot of case studies. So either from journals or business practices, they're doing analysis on how to put theories that we're learning in the classes and in lecture into practice. So we apply concepts to these cases, developing skills in analysis and how to write concisely and accurately and all that stuff. The textbook reading is about 100 pages a week. Right now it's organizational behavior, um, which was actually written by two professors in the Michigan State Management Program, which I find interesting. And then we're also reading the Harvard Business Review, 10 Must Reads. And this covers a wide range of topics and they're all individual volumes. So there's one on strategy, there's another on leadership, and the one I'm looking forward to is making smart decisions. And overall, I'd say it's affected my reading life by decreasing my for fun volume because I don't really want to pick up a 500 page Ron Chernow biography right after I just put down a textbook on organizational behavior. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I totally get it. So like the concepts are heavier and because you're reading to with analysis and critical lens, you kind of want to read something that's a little bit shorter and a little bit more light. Mm -hmm. So I'd say I've been leaning more towards short books and then also leaning in heavily on my rereads. So even in, we're in March, Mm -hmm. I've read two of my Harry Potter rereads for the year. So I don't know percentage wise how that is, but like <laughs> I, I would really want to pick up Prisoner of Azkaban pretty soon too, just because when you're done doing work for school, you just want something that's light that you're familiar with. That's a good story. So I've been leaning more towards shorter books and then my Harry Potters, which I would also say are like palate cleansers. I know mm-hmm. when we were doing um, Beale Street with Brit and Rich, we talked about how after you read something heavy, you want to go with something a little bit that's not in depth of those concepts. So like when I was reading Hope Never Dives, because it's just something 
fun to think about. And then the other genre that I'm kind of dipping my toe more in is leadership books, which I always was attracted to. But since I'm not reading as many biographies, I've kind of been gravitating more towards just leadership concepts. So Shoe Dog was a good one, which was by Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike. And then I've been reading Brene Brown's book for our buddy read next month. And then I still have to get around to Leadership by Doris Kearns Goodwin. That's kind of the way that I'm building those in and I'm actually using them in my course. So when we're doing discussions, I would reference back to, hey, Phil Knight did this and this with Nike. And then that sparks a discussion with some of my classmates. So I'd, I'd say that's the effect for my reading life is just decreasing the volume of the books that I'm reading. And then the concepts are a little bit not as heavy. That which, makes sense. Which is tough for a history major. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love those stories and there's nothing that I would love more than to pick up this analysis on Winston Churchill and the Boer War that's sitting right next to me taunting <laughs> me. Hero of the Empire if anybody's interested. But I don't know when I'm going to get to it. Yeah, you're not as much of an audiobook listener. Otherwise, I would highly recommend those would be the perfect audiobooks for you. I listen to too many podcasts. Mm-hmm. That, that's my problem. And it's not a really bad problem no, to have. But it's a choice that you make. Yeah, if if I, you subbed it for an audiobook, that's a choice. But things change every few months. It's like you reevaluate what your reading life is like and what school is like. With every class, it's different. So there's just a lot of reacclimating to what's going on in the moment. I was also just thinking, like, as you were talking about your need for accolades and high fives. Individual accolades, Uh yeah. I was thinking how us being in school has been a very, it's like a very obvious reflection of our personalities because my general routine has been, I have this big test and I'm really nervous about it because what if I fail and then I start studying and I'm like oh I know all this already okay I feel okay about it but I still don't know and then I get my grade back and I'm like oh I got an A and you're like I knew you would (laughs) and I'm like I didn't think I would because I doubt myself every time Mm -hmm. and then meanwhile you go into everything with confidence and (laughs) no imposter syndrome whatsoever no just all of the charisma yeah and just go for it well i come from the school where my mom when she was in her master's was trying to get all possible points yeah now i don't go to that extreme but i do love getting 100 percent. it's just funny to see our very different learning styles and personalities come out in a new way yeah because we so we went to the same high school but we were never in class together because you were two years ahead of me so this is and i mean we kind of we went to we were overlapping in college in Minneapolis too but it's not like we ever studied together so this has been interesting being in the same home while one or both of us is in grad school to see how that plays out yeah it's been nice that we have at least this overlap time even though it's only going to be for a semester and then I'll continue on for the next two years while you contemplate life and wanting to be a PhD (laughs) I will say I think it's motivating for both of us when we're both sitting down to study and get stuff done. You're just saying that's because you want to pick up a PhD program soon. (laughs) No. (laughs) I was just thinking that it's going to be harder for you when I'm not doing it. True. (laughs) That just means you're going to read more for fun. So that'll be at least motivating. And it's not like I'm scrapped for time. Like I still am putting in a couple hours a week playing video games and reading for fun. It's all about time management. Yeah. Which... Again, choices. So let's go into how that works of balancing work, school, a reading life. 
the first thing that I think is important to say is sometimes you can't right. balance all of that. Mm-hmm. And that is fine. Being like self-aware enough to know that certain things are going to suffer if you want to take this choice and go back to school. And yeah. that's totally fine. So, for example, last July, I was looking at my reading journal for July, and I had read four books, and all four of those were just for my master's program. Oh, or maybe three of the four were, and one was an audiobook or something like that. Did you just feel super sad? No, because I really liked the books that I was reading. I just... There probably was a moment of like, oh man, I didn't read like anything compared to what I usually read. Mm-hmm. Well, you're four about... books is nothing to sneeze at in a month, but compared to... You're normally putting away like 10. So it was just, I had to have the moment of, it's just a phase, it's just for this summer, it will be fine. And it, it was completely fine. Like it's, you just do what you have to do. So you just have to go with the rhythm of life. We've mentioned audiobooks. I think that's one of the best ways to get your fun reading in, especially if you can find someone who narrates really well. And then we talked about choices. Reading instead of watching TV is a huge one. Or reading instead of going out, because if that's something that you want to manage, like getting some introvert time. Because we're both, you know, we like hanging out with our friends and going out and doing stuff. But if we've had rough weeks with school, sometimes we just want to sit down with our individual corners, you on the chair, me on the daybed, and just mm-hmm. read for fun. Yeah. Uh, also, sometimes things slide like laundry or doing dishes, and that's fine. Well, if you mean by slide, they just pile until they're overflowing yeah. <laughs> out of the sink and then out of the hamper. But, you know, sometimes you just got to take time for yourself. That's kind of goes into my next point that reading for me is self-care. I feel better when I'm reading. And it's important when you have a full plate. So for me, that means reading in the bathtub sometimes. Yeah, for, for me, it's waking up on Saturday mornings with my tea and just reading for a couple hours just yeah. to get it out of the way in the, in the beginning of the weekend. Yeah, I think weekends, if you can carve a little bit of time on the weekend where you are not doing schoolwork, that's important and getting reading in then is good. The other thing is using your reading for fun stuff and your work in tandem. So for example, oh, that's not really an example. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so for example, when you read Shoe Dog, you loved that book and then you were able to automatically apply it to your course discussion right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Or sometimes I would read a book and be able to bring it into our discussion, especially if it was like something YA that I was reading and these other teachers were talking about what their students liked to read. So you can try and embrace and enjoy reading for class. I think it was easier for me because I was studying literature Mm -hmm. and I already loved that. But if you're getting your master's degree or even your undergrad degree as an adult or going back to school for something, I sure hope you're doing it because you like it. (laughs) Right. And it's either do it completely for fun or do it for something that's going to integrate well with your work life. Yeah. Like I think we both were intentional about that, picking programs that reflected our jobs and made ways for us to apply those concepts really easily. Like you could take something you learned from your lesson planning or from outlining for an assignment and put that right back into your classroom. And mm-hmm. I'm learning concepts about how to build teams and work with people that I'm using on a daily basis in my small groups and stuff like that. So it's either end of the spectrum. It's, you know, pick something that you love that's going to be a escape from your work life if you're going back to school as an adult or find something that's going to work in tandem with what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, especially because you're either 
saving the money for school and it's a lot out of pocket or you're going to sign up for some more student loans. So it had better be good. (laughs) Um, That's also something to look at is an in-person program is also going to be different than online. So in person, you can kind of treat your study group like a book club. Um, You can do different things if you like that social aspect of learning and reading. And if it's online, you just have to be really smart about scheduling your time and making sure that you're meeting the deadlines on your own. So that's something to consider too. I think because our programs are online, that does afford us, it's not like we have to take the time to drive to campus and sit in class. So that does afford us a little bit of freedom with scheduling our lives around reading a little bit mm-hmm. if we if we want to. I don't know. This is a reading adjacent episode, but I hope that at least a couple of listeners who are either considering going back to school or are in school right now find this helpful and maybe a little bit encouraging. Yeah. It's all about managing the time is the important part. Like anything. Yeah. And I think we're both pleasantly surprised with the things we were forced to read for our graduate programs that we actually enjoyed Mm -hmm. going through. Like I know you've talked about autobiography of Malcolm X for a long time and on a lot of podcasts as one of your favorite reads. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a lot of just, you know, reading about organizations and some of the nerd stuff that I'm into. Yeah. And I think you've been surprised at how much you like that business side of it because it's something you never really thought you would enjoy. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning more towards the management side because that's a little bit easier to comprehend and learning how to interact with people. The, yeah. b- the business strategy stuff, I kind of suffered through. I couldn't really understand a lot of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's you take it as it comes. Like a lot of the stuff is going to be on a personal level, which is more my speed interacting with people. And then some of it is going to be a large scale, you know, long term organizational goals and how to manage your finances and I don't really that's why I'm not getting an MBA (laughs) it's good to know about yourself (laughs) so what would you like to recommend to listeners this week so this week we powered through the second season of friends from college which we had seen the first season when it came out it's a Netflix show it's got a lot of I'd say a lot of the characters that we enjoy from other things like Keegan-Michael Key we really liked Key and Peele Kobe Smulders is in there from How I Met Your Mother. And Fred Savage is just... He's He's a gem. He's a a gem. Um, So it's a... I'd recommend for people to go back and watch the first season. It's not getting a third, which is unfortunate. I feel like some of it fell a little flat, but there were still a lot of moments that hit you right in the funny bone and you were just rolling over. And it's not... It's a dramedy yeah. It's a good mix of drama and comedy, and it's more of one of those shows that's like true to life, where you've got that bittersweet balance pretty constantly. Yeah, I'm sad about it, especially because I really like those 30-minute shows that pack a lot of emotional punch, whether you're laughing or a little sad, but you're not spending a whole hour on it. Exactly. <laughs> What's your recommendation this week? Um, last week I finished listening to Allegedly by Tiffany Jackson. So I'm recommending it specifically on audio. It's narrated by Bonnie Turpin. She's one of my favorite audiobook narrators. And the book was really good. It was very intense. And it's young adult. And I can imagine a lot of teenagers getting super into it. 
Um, there are a lot of trigger warnings for it, so I will say look up what it's about and be warned of that, but it was really good. And it was maybe like an eight-hour book, so it wasn't terribly long, but it was really good on audio. Thank you all for subscribing and sharing He Read, She Read. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference in reaching listeners, and they brighten our day. Reminder that our buddy read for this month is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and that episode will air March 26th. As an aside, if you haven't listened to her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, and we'd recommend that as well, so that's a twofer for my recommendations for the week if you're getting ready to read that with us. You can connect with us on social media or email, Twitter and Instagram, at he read, she read, or you can email us with any questions, he read, she read podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together... Gets A's together. There you go.